FBI Radio. Welcome to Down to Earth. It's our fortnightly conversation about how we can make our cities fairer and more sustainable. Today we're going to be looking between Sydney and between London in the UK. And look, it's worth noting that this is our final episode for 20. 17, which I'm, I'm quite sad about. I know. Well, welcome, Professor Kurt Iveson. Me too. Thank you. I'm sad too. And I love this. I know. Look, we're, we're already abuzz with, 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 topics for, with topics for next year. You've, yep. you've got a certain guest that's in town that you might want to grab that we, can, that we can have on next year. But look, let's stay in the present. Today, we're going to be exploring a topic that has been in and out of the news here lately. It's the privatisation of public spaces and what we can do about it. And it's something that it's a topic that we've sort of been working around in yeah. and out of over yeah. the last year or so, isn't it? That's right. We've talked about green space. We've had our chats about kids in the city and fencing off schools and all that sort of stuff. Um, and even, you know, Burgerpalooza and the kind of temporary enclosure of public space. But it's been in the news here again recently with the kerfuffle about that Midnight Oil concert at the Domain. So there are a couple of them. Tell us tell us who was having a biffo over this. Well, Paul Keating yep. came out and said, hey, Midnight Oil, you're closing domain for like the best part of two weeks for a concert that costs $99 to attend. You're just like the old squatters, you know, confiscating public space for private good. Oh, Peter Garrett, that would have really gotten his... Yeah, it did. I so, gotten his hair up? Yeah, well... Gotten his back up. Yeah, yeah. gotten his back up, gotten something up. But, you know, he came back yeah. and just, you know, had a quip about Keating just being an elitist. But I think it entirely missed the point, which is this whole thing about this creeping kind of privatisation of public space that... Um, you know, these temporary events kind of represent when you've got to pay so much money to get through the gates in a space that ought to be public. And what a great time, great time to introduce our special guest who you've invited in today. Exactly right. So we're very lucky to have Brad Garrett in here with us today. Brad works with me in geography at Sydney Uni. Welcome, Brad. It's great to have you in. Hey, thanks for having me. No and problem. I should, I should mention straight away that there's no relation to Peter Garrett. Right. No. I was going to say no relation. No relation. Um, but yeah, so look, Brad's written some fantastic books actually um, about these issues of public space generally in cities and how we, I guess, can appropriate spaces for other means, explore everything being one of the um, really good ones. So it's great to have you in. Um and, and so, Brad, in, in London, um, your work has been revolving around something that we've shortened to POPs, but maybe a place to start would be to explain what, what POPs is. Yeah, yeah. So in London, we've got this um, uh, really egregious appropriation of public space. It's being turned into private space. And they, they call those privately owned public spaces or POPs for shorts, for short. I think that's uh, a little too catchy. And actually, we should call them what they are, which is pseudo public spaces. Uh, very often they get they get created when um, an area gets redeveloped, so they'll knock everything down. You know, they'll build a skyscraper, and then the uh, space around that building will become privately owned. So whoever owns the building ends up owning the space, and it's a way for um, you know cash-strapped councils to basically pass on uh, uh, the financial liability to uh, a private owner. But there's all sorts of other issues that come along with that. Yeah, look, a question I was kind of thinking about, it might be something that we're going to go into detail a little bit later, but sort of what what have we come to when the authorities put their hands up and say we can no longer afford mm. afford to manage public space? We've, we've got to sell it off and privatise it. Am I jumping ahead, Kurt? Or? No, no, it's an excellent question because it's the same thing driving the temporary stuff here, right? This yeah, I think it is. I think it's mm. all, I mean, well, on the surface, it looks like it's about finances, right? That you know, councils are, are having their, their, their budgets cut and they're just saying we can't afford to manage these spaces anymore. So we're going to sell them or rent them to a private company 
who can manage them, right? But I also think that there's another incentive, and it's about liability, mm. right? Because the council releases themselves from insurance liability, for instance, if someone gets injured in that space, if there's, you know, a protest, uh, things kick off, right? Mm. Then they're no longer, no longer responsible for it. And they're also not responsible for suppressing any of those actions in that space, which is which is the primary thing that I'm concerned about, that these spaces are fundamentally anti-democratic. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to sort of follow up. So, I mean, what's the, what's the big deal? Because these things usually get sold to us as a win-win situation, right? There's still public space. You don't have to pay for it with your taxes. Somebody get, else is looking after it. Get some bright new lawns. Some oh, trees yeah. get put in. Probably a water feature. I mean, I'm just thinking about some of the precincts <laughs> popping up in Sydney. It looks great. What could be wrong with it? <laughs> well, I'll give you a, a specific example from London. Um, the area around City Hall, where the mayor is, was sold off um, a few years ago for £1.6 billion to a Kuwaiti investment oh. firm. This is one of the largest land deals in the history of the United Kingdom. And what it means is that the company who manages that space, this is a company called More London, um, can impose their own set of rules over that space, which are extra legal, right? Like they don't mm -hmm. go through the courts. No, There's no uh, democratic process to enact these rules. But this company can now say, you can't play ball games there. You can't ride skateboards there. You can't take photos there. You can't loiter. You can't congregate. You can't protest, right? Now, that last one is the most important one, because think, think about what that means. You can no longer protest outside of City Hall. I mean, some of the politicians working in City Hall said they can't even do TV interviews outside of their own building yeah. because the corporation won't allow it. Now, you know, that to me sounds like the corporation has taken over the city. Yeah, yeah. Sounds but, like the beginning of The Handmaid's Tale, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I always, I always bring up that show in this, because we, yeah. you know, you know... Um, in our segment. That's right. I know. Margaret Atwood. She keeps coming up. Oh, she was a visionary. She was awesome. But yeah, so I think the other good thing, though, that's been going on in London is that you and a bunch of other people have been involved in trying to, I guess, shine a bit of a light on this and, and talk about what we might do to turn the trend around. So it might be time for a song. What do you reckon? We'll come back and talk about the... Yeah, I can't wait to hear about this second half because it's exactly. going to apply to what's been what we can do about the things yeah. that are happening here in Sydney. Um, I thought we'd go to a Londoner, uh, Dizzy Rascal. He's kind of uh, returned with a very strong grime album in the form of Raskit. This is a song called Space. I don't think he's quite talking about the topic of, um, only the Still. lyrics will tell, um, <laughs> public space in London. I think he's talking about something different, um, which is why I'm going to have to give a language warning. Um, Brad Garrett and Kurt Iverson will return with the rest of Down to Earth on the privatisation of public space right after this. That's Space by Dizzy Rascal. He put it on his album, Rasket, and we're still scratching our heads as to whether or not he was aware of the quasi-privatisation of the land around City Hall in, in London and whether that sort of went into some of the uh, inspiration for Rasket. But we're talking about the privatisation of public space today on Down to Earth, our fortnightly conversation about sustainability. Kurt Iverson, our host, our pro, is here, but we've got a special guest, a researcher, Brad Garrett, who is based in the University of Sydney and has been doing some great work on this in London. Yeah, and so that's what I figured we could get into next. So you've been involved with a group of people over there before you moved to Sydney that were actually, I guess, trying to shine a bit of a light on this issue and do something about it. So tell us what you guys did. Yeah, we, we set up this group called London Space Academy. And if you join, you become a space cadet. Um, <laughs> and what, what we do is we... Uh, Geography geeks. We, conduct, we, conduct, we conduct space probes. Oh. We go... We go <laughs> 
Nice. <laughs> no, we go out into the city and and uh, um, we do a couple of things. One is we try and, and collect information that isn't available to us. So um, we went to all of the councils and we were asking them, look, you're selling off all of this public space into private hands. We'd like to see a, a map of that. Mm-hmm. You know, how much land is it? Where is it? And I bet who, there wasn't who, one. Who, and there wasn't one, you know, amazingly. And um, we filed FOI requests with the councils to try and get that data, and they either said, you know, they didn't have the money to fulfill the FOI request, mm-hmm. or they didn't hold the data. So um, so we just started compiling it ourselves. Um, anecdotal evidence, you know, open street maps. We just started pulling it all together and building our own map of, mm-hmm. of these spaces. Which took us two years, but we just finished it recently. And you can look on The Guardian. These maps have been published in, yeah. in a few different articles now. Yeah, they were published on The Guardian. We had a huge response. Um, but the other thing that we were doing was direct action. So, you know, the thing about these spaces is that often you can't tell they're private until you try and do something that contravenes mm-hmm. the rules, And right? so what happens then? A security guard pops out of nowhere? Yeah, and- they, they, <laughs> sometimes it feels like they pop out of the bushes, you know, and suddenly they're there. And they're telling you, you know, you can't do this. They tell you it's illegal, which is wrong. It's not illegal. It's just against their corporate rules, you know. Um, So we wanted to kind of start pressing against that. So one of the things we did is um, that area outside of City Hall has this kind of um, uh, amphitheater that they use for private events. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we marched in there with 120 or so people. And we occupied. Yes, 120 space (laughs) cadets. And we occupied that theater and we had a two hour uh, public seminar on the importance of public space. Which we found the security guards couldn't stop, and uh, the police, they they actually called the police, and the police showed up, and they said, um, well, you know, unless you want us to charge all of these people with aggravated trespass, um, you know, there's not a whole lot we can do. So, you know, it just goes to show that a lot of these rules, even though they exist, they actually can't enforce them. So that was part of what we were doing with with, uh, trying to use these spaces, but also we wanted to raise awareness about the fact that they exist so yeah. we could have a conversation about and so it. since the publication of these maps what was the public reaction and what's happened since well the reaction is i mean the reaction from the public has been huge uh, people getting very angry going out and having their own space probes now which has been great so it's Ooh. kind of spun off but also we've had the we've had uh, a couple of politicians involved with our campaign including sean barry from the green party in london and that has put pressure on Sadiq khan the mayor of london to, to address the issue which he's now done Amazingly. So uh, every 10 years, London, uh, the mayor of London puts together a plan on how the city is going to be managed. And he has now um, he's going to put a a new clause into the London plan that says that these privately owned public spaces, these pseudo public spaces have to be managed by the law of the land, not by the whim of the property developer, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is a small win because um, I would rather not see them built at all. But we'll take a small win. Yeah, 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 especially in these days and times. Yeah. Any kind of win is a good win. And so, Kurt, could you explain um, similar quasi-public spaces in Sydney? Yeah. Just so people can visualise I was going to say, so we have a – in Sydney, we have those kinds of spaces where a developer gets a really big plot of land, for example, and has to build a little bit of public space um, as part of that development but then retains control over it. Um, So – I used to take students on a tour through some of these spots down in the CBD here. There's these weird buildings like the building that Fairfax built for their journalists a few years ago where you have to literally walk through a building foyer past a kind of checkpoint where there's, you know, security people, blah, 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 through a little narrow passageway and then pop out into this lovely park that is what so they like said. a gated park. Right. So they said this is our public space contribution to the city. And technically speaking, 
people are meant to have rights of way to access that because that was how they got the development approval. But it doesn't feel public in the sense that you have to cross all these thresholds to get to it. But then the other thing that Sydney's been very good at in the last couple of decades is kind of government-owned but weirdly privatised public spaces. So if you think about what's going on in Barangaroo, in Darling Harbour, out at the Olympic Park, in all those places we have special public authorities that are not the government per se, but it's you know the Olympic Park Authority or it's the Barangaroo Development Authority that control the public spaces there and that provide their own rules and their own security uh, to enforce those rules. So... Yeah, you can go down and find a, in obscure corners of the Headland Park at Barangaroo a kind of, you know, list as long as your arm of all the stuff that you can't do there um, that's very specific to that place. So, yeah, these things are popping up in Sydney as well. So it sounds like Sydney needs some space cadets of our own. And so maybe we can take a few lessons from um, what's now been published on The Guardian but some of the work that Brad has been doing in, yeah. in how we can try and push for better access and control of our public spaces. Yeah, I think, I think you know, going to um, local government and basically asking where these spaces are and how they're being governed is a good place to start. But, yeah, direct action is, is certainly needed to raise awareness around these things. Yeah. And I, but I think the particular, you know, getting back to where we started, mm. these temporary events are the thing that are really getting me since moving here because I only mm. moved here a few months ago. Um, but it seems like every time I go into a properly public space, it's closed down for a temporary event. And yep. it seems to me that this is actually a more pressing issue in Sydney. Um, I yeah. mean, and that it's, um, I mean, we've just been talking about this a lot, haven't we? But it, it's this thing about them being temporary that it's everybody, when you complain, just says, oh, look, it's just for a couple of days or, oh, it's just a part of the park or, you know, and don't worry, we're raising money and it'll all be gone. But actually, when these things start adding up, um, you know, it's more than a couple of days. It's more than a little part of space. Um, so, yeah, we and really we have to watch this. And we do acknowledge they do provide jobs. We got some feedback, um, a gripe when we were talking about that. Just, mm. It does employ creatives mm. for the time that they're on. But, but yeah. the issue is that the venue is Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of like it's not as though putting an event on per se is a bad thing. So I don't want it to come across like that. So, you know, we've got like these iconic events in Sydney in the domain, like, you know, the carols and blah, blah, blah. But like... Those things provide jobs, but they're put on by the state and they're free for punters to rock up to, right? Like, that's the difference between an event like that and your Midnight Oil or your Moonlight and, Opera. And where that's a, that's a big difference yeah. because if you can't afford $100 for that Midnight Oil ticket, um, it, it's excluding a lot of people from public space. Yeah. Right? Anytime you're excluding people, then, again, we're falling into the realm of something that's anti-democratic. Right? Yeah. So, yes, space cadets, assemble. That's what we need. <laughs> We've been chatting about the privatisation of public space today. Our special guest has been Brad Garrett. And what we'll do is we'll get Super Producer Maria to put up a couple of those Guardian links to some of the maps that were the outcome of, of your hard work and give us some inspiration of the kind of thing we can be angling towards in Sydney. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And just quick little shout-out to the Save Our Serious people Um as well, while we're talking about privatisation in Sydney today, government's just announced it's going to go ahead with the sale of that kind of iconic social housing building right in the rocks. Um, and I know there's still a really big campaign to oppose that move. So you should check out their Facebook page or their Twitter feed or whatever. And I'm sure there's going to be an action later this week. We'll follow that. Um, okay, so today being the very final edition of Down to Earth for 2017, I just want to let you know that if you head to fbiradio.com forward slash down to earth, we've podcasted all of our past episodes, including in February when we had the topic commercialising green space and the fencing off of schools. You can listen to that. You can listen to our 
our episode on redeveloping industrial areas, on universal basic income, on bus privatisation. It's all there. Yep. It should get you over the festive season. <laughs> if you Such festive wait. listening, I know. <laughs> so, I look, know. Um, Kurt Iverson, thank you. Um, have a great Christmas, Brad Garrett. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me on. We will return with Down to Earth in a month or Yeah, so something. Yeah. <laughs> This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.